0: Uh, children's church and uh, everybody else you're stuck with me um, and we will uh, pray and uh, maybe move these monitors a little bit so I'm not tripping over them. I'll probably trip over them anyway and I got to start Facebook live. All right let's pray in preparation for uh, for hearing the word today. Heavenly Father, I I pray that you would uh, I pray that you would be with us. I pray that you'd help us to um, to glorify you uh, uh, through the preaching of the word. I pray that you would help me to to not get in the way of that. Help me to um, point over and over and over again to to your Son, uh, to to Christ and and to your gospel. I pray, Lord, that that uh, the good news would um, season everything that that I talk about this morning. Um and I pray, Lord, that that folks would hear you. Um that that your word would find places in their hearts that that you would um help people encounter you and know you more through through the preaching of the word this morning. In Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Uh we are gonna be talking about First Corinthians 13 this morning. I did a wedding yesterday. Uh Michael uh got married. Some of y'all know Michael, he's the, the guy who sits over there. Um and and so i can say uh, with a great deal of confidence that we have witnessed an actual miracle. uh <laughs> well that's all i got. i thought there'd be more laughter for that. that uh um but we're very happy for him and and so i i studied 1st corinthians 13 all week and i or um well in preparation for for that service and i i decided that it would be a fun one to preach. so here we are. um and before i dive into that actually my uh i i I've read a bunch of things that have fit into the text this week, but not like I set out to read. You know, oh, this will fit into the sermon. It was things that that I happened to be reading, and they jumped out at me. And and this one has been in front of me all week, and I I took a photograph of it, and I've gone back to it over and over again. Um, and and it's this. Uh, from this devotion, I, I have. I was a book I had lost. I found it, and I started from the beginning and was working my way through it. And and the third uh, installment had this this. Um, the series is written by a guy who's who's like a personal trainer, and so everything is about athletics, which which is very annoying. Um, and <laughs> but as I'm reading it, he talks about um, the idea that. Um, People will set out, and especially this being my first sermon of 2019, right? People will set out with good intentions. How many of you all set goals or resolutions this year? Um, (laughs) What? This is a, it is not a resolution sermon. Um, but, But he said, you know, people will set these goals and they'll start out at it and they'll do really well for a very little while and then they run out of gas, right? Or they'll say, this is something I know is important, but they don't do it. Um, anybody have that? You know, I, I've talked to, actually, I knew a doctor who smoked like two packs of cigarettes a day. And I, I remember asking him, hey, what, what's the story? And he's like, yeah, I know. I know it'll kill me. That was it. <laughs> no, no further explanation. Um, and I, I think there are things in life where um, we believe things are true, but we don't believe them enough to act on it. Does that make sense? Like, I know if I eat Doritos at every meal, I will one day have a heart attack. And I know it somewhat intellectually, but I don't know it enough to not eat Doritos at every meal. Right? Or or put butter in my coffee or whatever. I mean, like, I, there are certain things I know are true, but they I don't actually put butter in my coffee anymore. Um, <laughs> and so... <laughs> But but there are all these things that we that we that we know we should be doing. Anybody have a list of those? Um, I should be doing this, and I know it would make my life better. But I don't know it quite enough to change, right? I, I it's amazing to me. I'll I'll meet folks who suddenly like manage a diet because they have a heart attack. You know, but the time to manage your diet is before your heart stops beating. Everybody got that, like, but it's not real to them until it happens the first time. Um, and so we're, we're diving into this text on 1 Corinthians 13, and, and very simple. A weak belief produces um, weak commitment, right? Like weak belief produces weak commitment um, is the idea that, that this guy puts forward, and it, it plays into this over and over again. Um, so 1 Corinthians 13, most of us have heard it at weddings. It is not a wedding passage at all. Got it? It is not about love. I, I've heard, I've said this a thousand times, and I, I think I've pontificated about it to Michael, and I'm pretty sure that's why he picked it as the passage he wanted in his wedding, um, because, because, because Michael's a wonderful young man. Um, <laughs> but we're going to background here a little bit. Um, Paul planted this church in Corinth, and um, they were a church that was sort of perpetually plagued with trouble. Right? They, they had false teachers, and they had infighting, and they had all kinds of silliness. Um, 1 Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote that is kind of a grab bag. He is answering a letter where they said, hey, we got all these questions. And he's saying, all right, I'm going to answer your questions. And so the whole 1 Corinthians is just him answering questions that they had asked. And, and it's a fun book. Eventually I'll preach the whole book, um, but I'm not doing that today. Um, here we encounter um, the gifts of the Spirit which is something that's in chapter 12. We're not going to dig into that. But this is where, like, um, the, uh, the, the church at the time, they were fighting over which, like, manifestation of the Holy Spirit was the most important. And so some of them are like, yeah, I speak in tongues, and that's the most important thing. And, you know, all of y'all are less than me because of it. And then other guys are like, nope, I'm a prophet. And so you guys who speak in tongues, like, you're secondary. Or, well, oh, I perform miracles. I'm pretty sure the miracle guy... Like he he should he should win right except that Paul says that prophecy is the big one um, because that's speaking for God um, but but all of these guys are fighting back and forth and Paul kind of addresses it and he says listen speaking in tongues is cool and all um, it's not the most important thing knock it off right he says the most important thing is what what grows the body basically um, to summarize it it is a really bad summary I apologize read it yourself you'll get a lot out of it. Um, Also, like Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, they're a little different. Gifts are manifestations of the Spirit, and some people have some, and some people don't. Um, The fruit of the Spirit is stuff that all of us have, right? It is something that is a byproduct of um, the Holy Spirit infesting our lives, like growing into us and changing us. Um, And it is something that that should be present in the life of all believers. Um, It is uh, mostly, some of you all plant things occasionally, right? or have historically planted once or twice, um, when you plant, you're not planting for the joy of having fields full of things that grew. You're planting because there are these tiny little things that you come through and cut out and thresh and 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 sell later, right? Like there is a fruit that comes off of your plant. I don't know. Is it a fruit? It's a grain, isn't it? We're going to call it a fruit today just because, because I'm not a farmer, um, but but this fruit that comes out of it, it's natural as a byproduct of the growing of these plants. I mean, it is there. Um, and so um, we're, we're going to get to that again. Like, just keep it in mind. Gifts are manifestations. Fruit is everybody. Um, so the central component of the Christian life here, um, Paul is going to talk about, is this foundational thing, and it is love. Like, love is a major part of what we are supposed to have as Christians. We're supposed to manifest it. We're supposed to display it. We're supposed to live it out. And I'm not talking about, like, Disney Princess relationship love, right? We're not talking about Twitter patient, which was also from a Disney movie um, about deer hunting, I think. Um, (laughs) We are talking about um, love that is – (laughs) what? We're talking about love that is like – It's an action thing. Um, The word Paul uses is agape, and there's this popular preacher trope where they'll say, Agape is the Greek word that refers to to godly love. And as a matter of fact, it didn't refer to godly love until Paul made it refer to godly love. And it's like here in three other spots where he takes this word agape and, like, it belongs to me now, and he applies it to this selfless love that God displays. Um, In the first century, it was becoming more and more a thing that would be used for brotherly love or, like, close friendship love. And Paul just wipes all that noise out, and he makes it his, and it refers to selfless love that God has for his people. Um, and, and so agape is the word. It is a big, important word. It is not eros, which is like passionate um, love or, or any of the others. It is God's love, God's selfless love. So we're going to dive into 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to break it into three bits, but there's some other verses we're going to intersperse. Um, so Paul starts out. Um, if I speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, from the get-go, by the way, we're going to um, we're gonna do something funny here. Um, if you take love out and you put Jesus in its place, there's a profound theological message, right? And check this out. If I speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but I don't have Jesus, I'm just making noise, Right? Like, so you can say the best things in the world and sound awesome and sound authoritative and everything else. But if you're doing it without Jesus, nothing, absolutely nothing. Um, If you are trying to do things without Jesus, without like adoption into God's family through Christ, you are wasting your time. And actually, Jesus has a reference to that where he says, hey, there's going to be a day when I come back and I'm going to divide up the world into sheep and goats and the sheep on my right, I'm going to say, go on into the reward prepared for you. And to the goats, I'm going to say, get out of here. And they're like, wait a minute. We prophesied. We, we spoke in tongues. We did service and miracles. And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. I don't know you. Right? And this is it, right? If I if I speak like miraculous languages and I do it profoundly and beautifully, but I do it without Jesus I'm a goat. Um, sorry. It was a <laughs> um, the word here, by the way, cl- uh, clanging cymbal and resounding gong, the word gong isn't very well translated. Um, it's actually a reference to, in Greek theater, um, sound systems were really non-existent in the first century. We're all aware, right, before electricity and everything else. They they would have these vases, and you would speak into them, and they would have an echo chamber, and that's how you would project to a room. Got it? Like a megaphone only in vase shape. Um, The resounding gong would be this vase if you clocked it really solid once, and the brass started vibrating, and noise came out. It would be loud. It would be oppressive, and it would be hollow. Right? Just like a symbol. Like, cymbals are kind of neat, but at the end of the day, like, you don't tune a cymbal. I don't think I'm pretty tone deaf, right? Like, but you can't, like, hey, let me play my symbol in A. It doesn't happen. Like, they are. Can you? No. All right, thank you. I just had to confirm that. Um, but he's saying, listen, without Jesus, all of the words I'm saying they're empty. I got nothing. I am just making noise. I'm making a racket, and it is an empty, pointless hopeless, meaningless racket. By the way, there are lots of preachers. You can turn on the TV and you can flip the channels and you find that channel where they're always on and you just wait a little while, you'll find a guy who's talking about all kinds of religious stuff but never mentions Jesus. There are a lot of them. And they make a lot of money doing it. But guess what? It's just noise. You might as well put the static station on because it would be less poisonous to you. You hear me talking and if I don't talk about Jesus... Call me out on it, because I'm just making noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mystery and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. Um, Again, if I do not have Jesus, I can know everything. But if I don't have Jesus, I'm wasting my time. Um, One of the premier uh, theologians of the 20th century, I'm not going to throw his name out there, um, but he was this very prominent guy. He is the most quoted, like, high theologian of the 20th century. He is, he is a giant in intellectual circles. Um, moved his secretary into the house with his wife and himself because he carried on, like, a 20-year affair with her and was very open about it, and his wife knew and everything else. Like, that would be one of those, like, overt sin things, right? We all agree on that? Like, and this is a, hey, maybe Jesus ain't a part of what you're doing, but he knew everything about Jesus more than I'll hope to know. But I can know everything about a lot of people. I could tell you all kinds of stuff about, um, about different actors, about different musicians, but I don't know them, right? I, I, we can know everything about Jesus and not know him. Um, we can know everything, and if we lack love, it's Nothing. We have faith. I trust God will do all kinds of stuff, but there's no love in it. It's an empty thing. Um, Now watch this. There's kind of a cool little bit here. Um, All right. This is actually husbands. Wives, cover your ears. I don't see any covering. (laughs) Husbands, there are going to be days when your wives will talk to you, and they will say problems that they are experiencing. And your first inclination is going to be to tell them exactly the right way to fix it because you know how to fix it. (laughs) And it's true because, men, we are good at knowing this stuff. Part of loving your life the way Christ loves the church, the way we're commanded to love, is to sit there and shut up and listen and appreciate her feelings. Got it? And part of loving your wife is not being very good at it. No. Part of part of loving your wife is not necessarily knowing everything, but figuring out how to love her. Right? The same goes the other way. Wives, fact of the matter is that loving your husband sometimes means not knowing everything. I know it's a shocking idea. And most of you all know everything. But part of loving your husband is sometimes letting him letting him be your husband and not not knowing everything. I, this is a big thing I struggle with as a pastor. Sometimes I'll sit down and talk to people about their problems. And I am much quicker to talk Bible than I am to listen. Right? I'm sometimes much too quick to offer advice than, than I am to, like, hear folks out. Um, and it's an unloving thing I do because, because I don't know, because I'm, in, I'm a human. Right? I'm a fallen man. Um, I'm not like Christ all the time. I try. But here we are. Um, that was a big aside. I'm sorry. Rabbit trails all over the place. Um, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. By the way, again, this is kind of a cool one. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may brag about it but I don't have Jesus, it's a waste. There are lots of people who live their lives serving, and, and doing like amazing stuff, but they do it without Christ, and it's, it's a bankrupt way to live. It's, and it's heartbreaking. Um, it's not to say that they're evil. I mean, well, we're all fallen. It's to say that Christ at the center of all things like, like is what we are made for. It is how we were designed. Um, and and at, at the bottom line of it all like, is Christ. Um, that uh, give my body to hardship, Um, there's kind of an interesting thing. Some of you all have probably heard that, give my body over to the flames or to be burned, right? And, like, there's a variant in the translation here. Some, like, early manuscripts say, uh, give my body over to be burned or to be martyred. Um, Older manuscripts suggest that this is probably a reference to selling yourself into slavery, Like, and it was a practice amongst first century Christians where they would sell themselves to slavery and they would take the proceeds and they would use it to help out a particular cause. Um, Like, wow. But if you're that guy and you're doing it without love, you're still wasting your time. Man, that puts my whole thing at a a level of pathetic, doesn't it? Like, but at the foundation of it all, but at the core of it all, at at the center of it all, like is Christ, is his Holy Spirit in us, and us loving folks. Well, I don't have strong feelings all the time, right? Love here is not a feeling. Got it? It is not Twitter patient. It is not warm, squishy feelings in your chest. It is not, I feel so good that I did this, I did that, or I feel so passionate about this person. It is an orientation in how we live, where we are selfless, focused on the other person. Right? You see this with mothers. I I sometimes tease mothers, and I am a bad person because of that. Um, but watching my wife get up to take care of our children at two o'clock in the morning, while I continued to sleep selfishly, like taught me a great deal about what God's love is like. Right? Like I and I know there were days that my wife was getting up like, oh, why can't you sleep, you little monster? And you know what she did? She wasn't feeling it, but she still got up. Right? God loves us this way, right? Like where, Eric, why can't you get this stuff right? Eric, why can't you get your life in order? Eric, why can't you stop sinning? Eric, why can't you? And he continues to come back and love me. And Christ still died for me, knowing that I would be a failure, knowing that I would struggle with sin, knowing that I would be a fallen man. And he still died for me. Um, and this is the model that we're to follow. Hey, no high bar there, right? Um, Uh, 1 John gives us a great line. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Um, Why did I include this? I included this because um, this is straight up saying what this previous section is saying. Listen, if you know Jesus, if you are born of Christ, if you are a new creation in Christ, the natural byproduct will be love, right? Like, it will emanate out of you. Love like warm, squishy feelings? Still no. It'll be love like, I will serve you. I will put my own needs aside. I will take my own desires and put them on the shelf in order to do right by you. I will look at you and see a child of God, not somebody who drives me insane. Right? Do we have people like that that we associate with? Other than me, don't point. Um, (laughs) Like, But we look and say, I love you anyway, and we serve. And and this is what he's talking about. This is a natural offshoot. Um, John goes on to say, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Man, John nails it, doesn't he? Like, I, I was studying and looking at cross-references, and I read John, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is it, right? This is what love is. Christ died for us. Like, the model that we're to follow is this. It is sacrifice anything in service of each other. It is put our own needs. Um, mind you, like... Church is maybe not a, the easiest example to point to, but let's let's narrow it down to, to our close relationships. Um, anybody ever fight with somebody in their household over who gets their way? No. Nope. <laughs> um, we live in a culture where my right is right, right, and like we should fight for what is mine. I should be happy. I should have what I want. I should be comfortable. I should. I should. I should. It is the opposite of this. Actually, what John is teaching and what Paul is teaching is so unbelievably countercultural that, short of a miracle, I don't think any of us could manage it. This is how we know that we live in him and he is in us. He has given us his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. By the way, this is one of those weak commitments, strong commitments. Anybody can stand up and say, yeah, Jesus is the Son of God, right? Like even Satan commands that, right? Right? But this is a genuine confession. Like if I recognize that Jesus is the Son of God, and this is the God who placed the mountains, commanded stars to be hung in the sky, like the whole nine yards, I'm going to take that guy seriously, right? I I was walking through Great Falls the other day, and I walked past a a guy who was obviously um, high. And he was obviously about a foot taller than me and about 300 pounds. And he was pointing, or he was talking to a woman who was pointing at me as I walked by and yelling and screaming. And that guy started following me. And I was walking down an alley because I didn't want to walk on 10th. And I'm walking and I'm like, well, doggone it, that guy is following me. And you know what? I took that seriously. You know why? Because some guy smoking meth is probably going to beat me to death in an alley. And so you know what I did? I did. I turned and I went out onto the main road so I got away from the guy who had just walked out of the dumpster area behind this restaurant following me. And you know why I did that? Because big strong guys should be taken seriously if they might murder you. Everybody on on the same page with me here? Um, but let's put this into a slightly different perspective. Anybody would would anybody here have acted differently by the way? I mean, I'm sure Jeremy would have just cold cocked him and <laughs> and that would have been the end of it. And Ross would have stared him down, and the guy would have run away, um, suddenly, immediately sober. Um, But let's say, like, you're not superhuman. Anybody else moving quick to get away? Anybody else, like, being very cautious and checking over your shoulder to make sure the guy isn't broken into a run? I mean, like, this is the sensible, sane thing to do. When we talk about Christ, we're talking about two extremes here he is somebody who loves you and will go to any extreme to save you but he is also all-powerful and needs to be taken very seriously right and on both sides of that if we can say that jesus is lord and we can say it seriously and for real and really believe it like a real belief not a weak belief like oh yeah if i eat kale every day i'll be healthy but man eating kale isn't worth it um i mean like a serious real serious like like deep down to the core of who you are belief that changes you It should change you. You should wake up every morning and say, I belong to Jesus. And that is the most amazing thing. I am adopted as a child of God. And so when I beat myself up, anybody else do this? Oh, I'm worthless. Oh, I'm doing everything. I can back up and say, you know what? I'm worthy as a child of God. When we dredge up our sin laying in bed at night and we remember the sin that we committed eight years ago and and it poke ourselves with it man i'm forgiven i am a new creation in christ but here's the other side of that i look at the guy next to me who i look at the guy who's following me who's high on meth and might beat me to death right this is a person jesus died for i look at the guy with the political sign in his yard the one that makes me angry every time i drive by it you know that guy as a child of God, and I need to love that guy. This is how love is made complete among us, that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. There's no fear in love, but perfect love. I'm sorry, I forgot to cut that verse in half. Um, to be like Christ, to put aside fear in all things, but to know I belong to God. I am an adopted son. I am forgiven. I am saved. I am worthy. Um, this is love, right? Love is patient. I'm going to insert Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. It, he does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He does not dishonor others. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. He always protects. He always trusts. He always hopes, and he always perseveres. Obviously, I've misread this completely, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. Um, But again, we back up and we look at this. I mean, this is a picture of Jesus, ain't it? Um, mind you, Jesus kicked over tables in a temple once. Jesus called the Pharisees a brood of vipers, which wasn't a compliment, right? Um, Jesus was a serious guy. He was a, not Pollyanna. He was not you know, Mr. Rogers. He was a serious man. Because fact of the matter is that like, where love is this intense, like, there is a, a serious addressing of evil. It's not something that we brush over. It's not something that we ignore. There's space in love for righteous indignation. And it's true. That's a hard idea, isn't it? Um, Sometimes there's space in love for us to back up and struggle. Um, I had a a fella I worked with for a while. Um, I've talked about him before. But he and I were at at odds quite a bit and and he made my life very difficult and one day I started praying for God to kill him not kill him uh that's not accurate that was way too quick I was praying for God to set him straight in realizing that I was right and he was wrong um and as I was praying about I had this thought in my head like when this guy looks at me does he see Jesus or does he see the guy who fights with him and I realized man I don't love that guy and I don't want to love him and I I was forced to change. And the more I loved him and the more I served him and the more I I acted differently toward him, the more he changed. It was amazing. Um, But Christ in me was the most important part of that, and I didn't want to win some dumb fight and lose my standing before God or sacrifice my spiritual maturity or anything else. Like, I wanted to be right before Jesus, and that meant loving that guy. And I didn't want to, but I did. Um, Folks, if you... Really want to like test yourself? Put your name in there. Eric is patient. Eric is kind. Anybody want to keep going? <laughs> Anybody feel good about that? Man, that's a mark that's impossible to hit, isn't it? I uh, I read a great essay by a gal who was saying that she hated the Proverbs thirty-one woman because it was too high of a bar, and I'm like, man, I got to be like Jesus. <laughs> that's a bar that I <laughs> I couldn't possibly reach. Um, In reality, this is what we're called to do, and we're called to strive to it, and we're called to drive toward it, and to work at it, and to train. And fortunately, God is generous, and he gives us opportunities to train at patience. This is a fun one, right? Anybody have to train at patience? You know how you learn patience? You wait. And you might be waiting and saying, God, why? And in reality, it is, God, thank you. James tells us that, right? Consider it pure joy when you experience um hardship of every kind i think i'm doing that one right um in reality that like these things loving people who are difficult being kind to folks who are hard to deal with um not being envious of people who have more uh not bragging because it feels really good to brag and it does not being proud like of how awesome i am or you are or whatever um not dishonoring others, not being self-seeking. These things are hard, but God provides us opportunity. And the more we do this, the more we grow spiritually, the more we become like Jesus. Oftentimes, though, as believers, we don't do it because we don't actually believe it's true. Right? Like we don't always believe it's true. I, uh, I have had a hard lesson today. I, I got up this morning. I Actually, for the last few weeks, I've been fighting with my daughter who just looked at me and smiled. Because my daughter is a wonderful little cherub who will not eat before 8 a.m. Ever. Sometimes she won't eat at all during the day. And we fight. And there's a lot of, all right, well, then go to your room. And a lot of me being very impatient and me being very unpleasant. Is it true, Abby? <laughs> she nodded. Um, And the reality is I realized this morning I was at the gym and I was working out and I was praying and I was thinking about this verse and I realized part of the reason that I yell first is because she is inconveniencing me to death by not doing what she needs to do in the morning. But that's about her, right? Or is that about me? Oh, wait, no, that's about me. But think about this. Apply it to every other situation you deal with. Your spouse will not blank and it is super inconvenient to you. Your spouse will not or does not blank, and it is super inconvenient to you. Your kids do not blank, and it is super inconvenient to you. Um, or frustrating to you, or painful to you. Does that mean we should be doormats? No. But it does mean that Like when I was dealing with my daughter, I realized, oh my gosh, I could probably come up with a better solution for this. And so I came home from the gym, and I set up a tea party, and we had a tea party, and she ate breakfast. And I intentionally gave her the thing I knew she hated most for breakfast, and she ate every bite of it. Because amazingly, (laughs) amazingly, loving her and spending time with her made it possible to eat something bitter. Not bitter, it was... Pancakes and sausage. Oh, my gosh. Um, (laughs) But whatever. We're going to start on oatmeal tomorrow. Um, (laughs) Here's the thing. I wasn't being loving, right? I wasn't being kind. I wasn't being patient. I wasn't being any of those things. I wasn't being Christ. I wasn't showing my daughter Jesus every morning when it was time to get ready for school. I wasn't. And I confess that. I'm wicked. I'm trying to do better. Um, But ask yourself, when it comes to the folks around you, are you Jesus? Are you acting like Jesus toward your parent, toward your neighbor, toward your kids? Put your name in the list. Am I patient? Am I kind? Etc. Um, and this is a natural byproduct. Galatians 5, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or forbearance. I'm sorry. This is the uh, ESV. Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You might as well just try these, too. Am I self-controlled? Am I gentle? Am I? It's the, the gauge, right? Do I love? Am I like Jesus? Am I growing to be like the man who died for me, the God who died for me? Um, against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified with the flesh, with, um, with its spirit, I'm sorry, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Mind you, watch this, um, crucified the flesh. You know how easy it is to be patient? It's not. My daughter just thumbs down. Um, in reality, these things are hard because it is our sinful nature that fights it, and we have to crucify that. Crucifixion sounds fun, right? Guess why it 's hard is because we have to kill that sinful part of ourselves and become new in order to do it um, there 's a daily job i 'm going to finish up first Corinthians thirteen here um, Love never fails. <clears throat> But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away child, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known now. All right. Very quick version of this. He is saying, listen, there's going to come a day when you stand before Jesus. And on that day, all of this like like the cheap version, the version that's like low definition, like the old tube TVs, remember? That was like, what, five years ago? Um, before we had HD 4k and everything else like what we see right now is a cheap version of it i love my wife i try to love my wife like jesus loves her try to love my kids like jesus loves her um and right now like that's the best i can do but it is a low definition version right Um, There's going to be a day when I stand before God and I understand what this love is, what Christ did for me, what God lavishes upon me by adopting me into his family. I'm going to know because I'm suddenly going to see it and I'm going to be made different. And so as we strive toward it, as we drive at it, it is hard and it will be an everyday job, right? Every day, every day, every day. But there will be a day when it is done. And he will do it. Um, and now these three things are now, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Um, I think Paul ends with this because love is the foundational idea behind all Christian ethic. Why do I serve people? Because I love them. Why do I help poor people? Because I love them. Why do I forgive people? Because I love them. Why do I treat my wife well, even though sometimes she, you know, is, is, a, is a difficult person? Um, because I love her. Why does she treat me well? Because she loves me and learns very slowly, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, my challenge for you this week, um, as we finish up, is as you walk out the door, ask yourself, Like, when I encounter folks in everything I do, am I patient? Am I kind? Am I loving? Am I living counter to the culture around me? That says, get revenge, get yours, be the best, win, have everything you want. Or am I being like Jesus where I say, I don't need me, I need Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you be with us this week. I pray um, this tall order, this idea that, that we need to be like Christ in everything. That we need to be selfless. That we need to learn to love. That we need to live up to Paul's, um, Paul's words here. I pray that you would set fire to people's hearts and that we would look for opportunities, Lord. I pray that that things like going to the nursing home and serving, I pray that, that like going to the, the activity center and, and visiting or going and seeing the people that drive us nuts and irritate us um, or or being patient with the kids in the morning for me. I pray, Lord, that these would be obvious and huge. In Jesus' name, amen. I forgot, this is communion week.